All right, Mooseheads fans, it's time for the Kings of the Bench podcast with your host, Travis Russell, and myself, David Hessian. Today's main topic, how we became fans of the sports that we love today. Travis, let's start out with rumors from the bench. What do you got for us today? Uh, so I think we're going to start off with the main one, which, uh, you know, now is no longer a rumor, I guess. But uh, starting today, Francisco Lindor is now a New York vet. <laughs> Holy crap. Like, that felt like he came out of nowhere, but yeah, an impressive trade. I, I, I don't know. I woke up this morning. I hadn't really kind of heard of it, like, as, like, a small rumor. But then it just seemed to escalate like crazy throughout the day. And it was like, oh, yeah, Lindor's a Met. Like, <laughs> what? Oh, this is, a, I think, a huge one for the Mets, by the way. I think uh, they've really missed, like, having a star on their team in a long time. Like, I, I don't think they've really had a star, and I think Lindor is a star. I think the last time was, what, probably the captain, David Wright? Yeah, and I mean, no disrespect to David Wright, but he was more of a model of consistency than, like, having this really high ceiling. Oh, I totally agree. And, I mean, you can't go wrong with Francisco Lindor. He's been so fun to watch with the Indians over his career. I mean, just a lot of flair and excitement. And this really brings a lot to New York, too, where there's obviously a little bit bigger of an eye there, a little more pressure. And they're also talking about potentially bringing in some more big free agents, too. I think the Mets are going to have an interesting season. I don't know if it'll be good, bad, or otherwise. Well, I think their division's, like, super interesting, too. Like, and it's probably a big reason why they think they can buy in now. Is because, really, outside of the Braves, that division seems pretty weak. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the Braves have really been the only strong team, and I've been predicting them for about the last three, four years to really take off soon. Uh, and I think we'll be seeing the Braves in the World Series within the next few years. But... I mean, the Nationals really kind of tailed off last year. Obviously, they weren't at full strength with, I believe, uh, Strasburg wasn't on the roster due to uh, COVID and ailments. But um, there's really not another strong team there. They can really come up, be that second team. Everyone was expecting the Phillies to be something there. But the Mets could kind of have that two spot for the taking. Well, yeah, I, I guess, like, the Marlins, they uh, they looked pretty good last year for at least, or I wouldn't say, I guess they looked pretty good, but uh, from, like, standards for them were really low, so. Absolutely. Yeah, coming into the season, I mean, we were all expecting them to be bottom feeders, and I mean, that was their slogan going into the playoffs, and they had an impressive run, but you got to think that a 60-game schedule and a sprint instead of a marathon helped a team like the Mets out, as opposed to a team, or, uh, like, the Marlins out, as opposed to a team like the Nationals or yep. even like the Twins coming up. Yeah, and I mean, we'll, we'll see. It. This season, with it being longer, is going to definitely be uh, it'll be the tail or a big test for all the like Cinderella teams that made the playoffs last year because, you know, it was an expanded playoff. I, I have a feeling a lot of teams are going to come to their senses and realize, oh shit, last year was just a fluke. So... Yeah, it's just a fluke, so we'll definitely see what happens and comes from that this year, but sticking with the MLB topic, let's talk about a team that is going all in this season. Let's talk about the San Diego Padres, the winners of the 2020-21 offseason so far. Yeah, and I think they were probably the winners of last year's regular season, too. I mean, Fernando Tatis just became like this big spark 
through this season. Like I, I'm actually was very excited to watch baseball, and you know, of course, he had all those you know moments where he was apparently, you know, going against the unwritten rules of baseball. But uh, I think that just added more to the sport than anything else. Well, you looked at it. MLB had the whole ad campaign, let the kids play. I mean, Tatis was there, I believe. Uh, some other big stars were there, as well as Mike Trout. And at the end of the day, I mean, they let the kids play. And you looked at all the playoff advertisement that they had, too, going into the 2020 playoffs. It was just Tatis. It was a highlight reel. This guy is amazingly fun to watch. He brings a lot of energy to the game. I mean, similar to Lindor in that respect, too. It's going to be crazy to watch this year. And then they added, for goodness sakes, Blake Snell, you Darvish for just a couple of prospects. This roster is going to be loaded this year. Yeah, and obviously, like, everyone saw Blake Snell. And what's being talked about a lot is, like, that last game that he played with the Rays. But... Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that... I love analytics as much as the next guy. But when it comes to a playoff performance i mean i think back to uh 1991 with blackjack jack morris and at the end of the day uh tk just said it's just a game and gave him the ball going into the 10th inning that's what playoff performances are they're not all analytics yeah and i, I in my opinion uh just watching that game snow was dominating the dodgers like it wasn't even close like he well, was he had what one run on yeah yeah <laughs> He had, he had that one, you know, sketchy inning there at the end, and they're like, all right, we're pulling him. Like, <laughs> it it sucks, because I think uh, he he could have easily saved that game if he would have stayed out there. But, you know, now he's in a different roster and uh, probably a different mindset. He's probably not even thinking about that anymore. No, I don't think you do. And especially with the help that he has around him with Clevenger and Jarvis, uh, Darvis in that starting rotation there. And then just all the great defensive help, too, that they've been able to acquire. I I think Snell is just ready to focus on a ring this year in San Diego. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I typically would bash teams that do this because it's a really big all-in doing what they're doing. But it, it, this could really work. Like, they probably have at least two to three years where... They, they aren't going to let go of many of these guys. Like, unless they make other trades, uh, this is going to be a pretty good roster for the next few years. Now, my hope is that even though they're young, that they will still be able to come together when it comes down to their crunch time. Because, I mean, we saw the Dodgers the last <laughs> however many years have just insane lineups, but uh, could never really capitalize because it seemed like they never had that, like that factor like that main factor when it came down to crunch time and lcs every single year just couldn't do it yeah absolutely and then they get to the world series a few times too and they blow it so uh it's definitely interesting to see that and the dodgers are going to be really big there too especially in that i mean those two teams are pretty stacked and you never know the diamondbacks go always be a wild card out there in that nl west so It'll be interesting to see, so we'll have to see if it's all worth it or if it was kind of a dud, but could be favorable for San Diego and in future recruiting as well. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I think my my prediction for San Diego really would be that I, I have a feeling that they're going to win a World Series here. Maybe not this year. You know, maybe give them a year to all mesh together. But, bold, uh, bold. I think uh, I think in a year or a year or two from now, I think we might be hearing uh, the Padres' name as World Series title holders. So what are we saying? 2023 World Series champs, predicting it like the 2017 Astros or what? Oh yeah, I, I'll do it right now. I'll, I'll say it. 2023 oh. Padres national champs. Put it on Sports Illustrated. Let's go. <laughs> uh, other big news kind of going on. Uh, you know, a different side of a different ball uh, in college football. We uh, we had the Heisman Trophy winner announced this week, and uh, it, it was a shocker. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Head into that a little bit more, why don't you? Oh, uh, yeah, so f- for the first time since 1991, there was a wide receiver that won. Uh, Devonta Smith from Alabama. He, I mean, honestly, he was the guy I was rooting for. One, because of, you know, the whole stat that you have to be a quarterback to win the trophy. Well, guess what? We had a big wide receiver win it in a year that everything went crazy. Um, on top <laughs> of that, Alabama, you know, also had their quarterback and running back into the mix. Like That's crazy. Like, it... Their running back wasn't a finalist. Um, it, it end, the finalist ended up being um, Mac Jones was the other Alabama quarter, well, the Al- Alabama player that joined uh, Devonta Smith. But still, three players in the top five. Like, <laughs> that's not bad, and that's a testament to Nick Saban's team. And he's saying that that this is one of his best teams, one of his favorite teams as well. Uh, we'll definitely see if that pays off in the college football playoffs, but. I mean, just a testament to how talented they are, and even defensively too, but offensively, their wide receiver beat out their quarterback, which, like you were saying, I mean, it's kind of like how the MVP goes in the NFL. You give it to the quarterback, and then Offensive Player of the Year is the best non-quarterback usually. So uh, to see that, and especially having a wide receiver for the first time since 91, I think three uh, players from the same team in the top five for the first time since what 1941 yeah so, something crazy like that it's oh my gosh so it's very interesting and uh especially with trevor lawrence coming in as the heavy favorite this year to win the heisman obviously he's been touted as the number one overall draft pick potentially this year first with the jets now with the jaguars unfortunately for my gardener Minshew. um <laughs> but yeah, it's very interesting to see. Uh, do you think maybe that the expectations of him being the Heisman winner and him being the number one overall draft pick maybe tank Trevor Lawrence a little bit in the Heisman voting this year or no? I, I think so um, to an extent. I think obviously Lawrence missing you know a couple of games with COVID was a big hit to him because there is already a limited schedule, so there's only so much they can see. Uh, and that probably really impacted why the SEC had so many players towards the top of these uh, lists is because the SEC played the most games this year. But I, I think Lawrence overall, I think the voters probably had on their head like, hey, he played below expectations for, a, you know, for his standards. For most people's standards, it he still was crazy and nuts and he's still going to be 
that quarterback. He's still going to be the number one pick. Uh, I really don't see a world where this factors into how uh, teams look at him come draft time. So, Absolutely not. I agree with you on that point. But, yeah, I mean, any other player comes in with a season like this, and, oh, my gosh, he's amazing. And it's just like, yeah, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's led his team to three college football playoffs. I mean, he should have done better. He should have had, like, 5 million passing yards and, like, 87 touchdowns so I don't know I think he got put on a little bit different of a level but he should be fine come the draft but congratulations to uh, uh, to the winner of the trophy Smith and we'll see definitely how that goes and roll tide eh yeah and I mean just a shout out to uh, the only other Heisman winner that was not a quarterback in the last decade Derrick Henry (laughs) Like imagine yeah. being imagine being like Devonta Smith right now, and that's who you're being compared to now, going into the draft. It's this big dude that has been balling in the NFL. I, I think Devonta Smith will have a lot of expectations now that he's going to be going into the draft. Uh, but I, I think this season kind of shows that he is a star in the making. I agree with you there. Um, well, how about? Oh, go on. Uh, I was going to say, so uh, we're kind of, we talked a little bit about Trevor Lawrence, um, and we kind of talked about his COVID case a little bit. Uh, the team that he did not get to pl- get to play against that probably was part of the factor of him not getting the Heisman was Notre Dame. Now, granted, he did play them in the ACC championship game, so he did get to play them once, but imagine if he would have been able to play them twice. <laughs> that would have been crazy. Um... But typically, we don't talk about Notre Dame in the sense of conference championship games. Like, they're, they're, they're just this independent, usually. But this year, right, they decided yeah. with COVID that this was going to be what they do. And I think it was definitely important for them to do that, too, because a lot of teams or a lot of conferences weren't playing out of their conference. Uh and with some conferences as well saying that, you know, you can't do that out of conference games this year until it gets to the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, that's very interesting. So what do you think about that, especially being the ACC? Are they here to stay? Are they leaving? I mean, I, they've kind of already mentioned that this was kind of a one-year thing. Like, they, they were here for COVID, and then they're getting right back out. I think it's a mistake. I think Notre, really? it showed this year that Notre Dame – if they can get put into a major conference and they do exactly what they did this year, make the conference championship with zero losses. And then, you know, even though they lose, they like still make it in a one loss Notre Dame team outside of a conference does not make the college football playoff this year. Now, granted, did they look good in it? No, but obviously the committee saw something because they were in a conference this year, a stable conference. And that, I think that's a huge difference. So do you think they stay with the ACC or in, in your ideal world where they stay in the conference? Do they stay in the ACC or the more Midwest friendly Big Ten where they're already in hockey already? Um, I would love to see. So they're in hockey in the Big Ten and they're in basketball for the ACC. So it's they've already have both of those like connections. And I would love to see them choose one of the two. Um, personally, I would love to see them in the Big Ten because... Outside of Clemson and the ACC, there's not a lot of love for the ACC. 
North Carolina gets some every once in a while. Duke, very little. NC State, maybe a little bit. Florida State, but eh. Right now it's Clemson. It's the Clemson show there. Um, which, I mean, maybe adding Notre Dame in football, that would be great, you know, to have a consistent, con you know, contender for that. But if you add them to the Big Ten, which is always evolving each year, you know, you have your Ohio State, you know, Michigan State every once in a while is there. Michigan's, you know, always kind of Let's there. not forget Maryland and Rutgers, though, either. I mean, come on, man. Okay, and football, we could probably <laughs> forget about them. Um, I mean, even <laughs> even the goal, the Goldie Gophers, you know, this last year, last year although there is rumors that uh, their head coach is going to be possibly looking at a NFL job, but uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a totally different... Uh, World. Don't roll the we'll boat away from here, PJ. Come on. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the Big Ten is crazy in that. But I think if I was Notre Dame, I would go to the ACC because there's a much better chance of you being an undefeated team. The Big Ten beats up on each other all the time, and that's why they're never there because the smaller teams can always beat the bigger teams. That's very true. But I mean. And to counter that, I'd say it'd be super fun to see games of the Horseshoe or the Big House with Notre Dame going in every other year. I think games like that would be exciting, and then heading out to Wisconsin every once in a while, too. I don't know. I'd say Big Ten, but I definitely see your point where it'd be a little more competitive for them in the ACC to try to get those playoff spots, which is obviously what every team wants, especially with their big sport. It's still business at the end of the day, and that's why I think that would be the better spot, but... You know, selling tickets probably would be a little bit easier if you're playing Michigan every year and you're playing Ohio State every year, so. You can't argue with that. All right, well, I, I think we've uh, we've gotten enough, you know, into this. I think we should maybe, you know, talk about why we're here and wh what we're talking about today, David. So, uh, I think, you know, let's start with you. Uh, what really was, like, your the big motivation for you to become a fan of sports and become a fan of teams like what what really drew you to sports well i really had no choice uh in the matter the day i was born uh my dad brought me home in a purple and gold vikings onesie uh so i was just kind of indoctrinated right then and there on the spot into being a sports fan so uh moments like that and just growing up i mean i always had my my helmets and pads and jerseys to go uh, put on for Halloween, but also to go play catch with my dad. Uh, those moments were great, or just grabbing a glove and going outside. Um, but definitely, and I was talking with my brother about this too the other day, just um, a big thing for me is my favorite sport is baseball. It has been, it's been my comfort food since I was seven. I saw a scary movie and I stayed up until like two o'clock in the morning in a hotel just watching reruns of ESPN's uh, opening week coverage in early April. And that's kind of when baseball became a thing. But uh, a sports fan overall was growing up in Minnesota, we had the Minnesota Twins. And I loved going to those games. Uh, back at the Metrodome, they would have Sunday's Kids Days. And so the deal was like up to two kids getting free for one parent ticket or one adult ticket. And it was Dollar Dogs, and Dome Dogs were amazing, and Dollar Pops as well. Um, so we went there, and I mean, we weren't the richest at the time, but it was definitely so fun to go and just remember those moments. And I thought, 
that the dome was so big that it could host every team that is in the Twins farm system. So I thought that my parents spent really, really good money to go get the tickets to go see Tori Hunter and Joe Maurer and some of her favorite players as opposed to the, the guys who were up and coming. So that's kind of the big moment when sports really became something for me. And then um, you've seen the fan interaction side too, growing up a little bit more, uh, seeing some of the promotions and the events. And uh, I remember in 2013 when the MLB All-Star Game was hosted by the Mets, that's when I really became into it. I hosted an All-Star Watch Party with a few of my friends and uh, just really got into the festivities of it and celebrating sports as opposed to just watching or consuming them or being there, but just watching the game, watching the home run derbies uh, and those other events, and then eventually seeing what they do outside of the games themselves and seeing what they do for the Fan Fest. And uh, even, I mean, I remember going to Twins Fest, and I think it was 2009 at the Metrodome, and Jesse Crane posed for us with a picture without letting us know. And... Uh, my parents brought us to a game, a Sunday game, for the kids' day, of course. Uh, had printed pictures because they found out that Jesse Crane was going to be signing autographs. So they printed out an 8x10 for my brothers and I, and and we had him sign it. He remembered the moment. And uh, at the time, this nobody pitcher named Glenn Perkins, uh, who later became an all-star, uh, asked if he could sign it. We said, no, no way, man. But... Um, just those moments, those interactions with players. And now as I've gotten older and I've been able to work in sports, which is crazy, uh, I've been able to talk with the players and, and get to know them on more of a person level as opposed to this kind of idol level where we tend to put athletes. And uh, That's really helped keep me grounded and become more of a fan of sports throughout time as opposed to just... Uh, you know, watching the game, I watch the game and enjoy it because of those people and those experiences, I feel. So, that's kind of a bit about me. How about you, Travis? Uh, so, semi-similarly to you, I was kind of thrown right into sports from a young age. Um, I remember, I there's so many stories from my parents where they would just sit me down on the couch during a Bears game, and I would just watch it. So, I don't know if it was just, like, my intellect or like my brain just like oh wow this looks sweet but from even like IQ the, baby genius <laughs> from like the age of <laughs> one i was uh i, I was always kind of you know watching it and my parents kind of noticed that and so they kept me into sports and you know even i think when i was five years old was the first time i played a sport myself and I think that really, like, me watching sports when I was younger and me playing that those sports when I was younger, I, I became very competitive. And I think that's where, like, the love really started was just my competitive drive on my own. Like, and me, like, as soon as I get, like, a favorite team or a favorite player, like, following them and, like, wanting them to win and, like, being super competitive about every single aspect of it. It, down to the like the sing like the simplest stat line like that's how competitive I can get with it sometimes, uh, but I think the number one thing that I really like I think of is before school uh, each day I would wake up maybe like an hour and a half before I um, got on the bus or was leaving for school, and the reason why I got up that early 
was so that I could watch the entire hour of SportsCenter, make sure that I get every single minute of it in the morning, every single day. Uh, <laughs> which is wow, I I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that that really <laughs> became kind of my thing, and it really made sports grow on me now it wasn't every sport you know some of the sports i would be like all right time to you know make my breakfast because they're talking about the sport uh because i wasn't just i wasn't as interested i would still listen you know when i'm making my breakfast because it i was just one room over but it uh it really grew like and i think that's also why i'm a huge stat person when it comes to sports <laughs> because they talked about stats so much in the sports center they also talk about the highlights, sure, but the amount of times that they bring up stats is insane. <laughs> um, so I, I think that was, like, the biggest, like, where the most growth in sports happened was there. I think overall, like, since uh, since then, I've slowly become a fan of more sports. I'm still not really, you know, a big fan of tennis. Uh, sorry to any tennis players out there, but uh, it's, it's just not... Not something I find, you know, that interesting. But me and my me really? and my good friend, <laughs> yeah. That's my like. If I have a day just to watch, I'll watch tennis because it's super interesting to me. But go on. We weirdly enough for me, that's like golf, and I think that's more because of my father than anything, because he's such a fan of watching golf. Um, granted, half the times when he watches golf, he ends up passed out on the couch. But that's a different thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but no, uh, I think lately, um, I talked to one of my friends and he's just like, so like, what do you follow? Cause like we, me and him are like into esports and stuff. So that's another like scene that I follow is a few games from esports. And then I was like, oh yeah. So like all these games in esports I follow. And then I, you know, I follow the NFL, I follow MLB, I follow M NBA, I follow college uh, basketball, I follow college football, I follow golf, <laughs> and he, he came to realize that, wow, how do you have time for this? And <laughs> honestly, I, that's when I realized for sure, like, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm definitely, like, a little crazy when it comes to sports, but I think it's a good crazy. It's not a bad crazy, but I, I Absolutely. just, I bring in so much, like, different knowledge from sports and i think that's also one thing is i've also got, gone pretty global very recently i've gone into like premier league soccer over the last like yeah. three four years and that has been so much fun to like see something that's a non-american view and like be like wow this is a totally different thing like the way that's set up versus like a traditional american like sport is crazy oh it is i mean I remember when I was like in middle school and I would come up with this league where each state and province province got their own team and I thought of relegation for it and just how crazy that is, how big of a stake that is that you could potentially drop down uh, is just ridiculous to me. But it's kind of become normal for them, which I don't understand. But yeah, stuff like that is so interesting and how they don't have a proper playoff format either has always intrigued me too well and also imagine like <laughs> the size of their countries like just we're gonna consider premier league because i mean this is the same for all of them this is the same for la liga this is the same for bundesliga uh but premier league like 
you have not just like your top 20 teams you also have the group below that and the group below that like there are so many teams that are like trying to become the best team in england that's crazy right <laughs> like right. and it's england too it's not like because you can have your 20 teams sure in the premier league but that's crazy because we only have 30 in Major League Baseball. We have 32, 32, and 31 in, uh, or 32 in the NFL, 30 in the NBA, and 31 in the NHL right now. So it's to be 32. Soon to be 32, yeah. So, right. So, it's crazy to put that in perspective. That I mean, England can be what the size of California potentially. Oh, you have yeah. <laughs> you, you have basically 60 franchises that are working their way to become the best as opposed to just five, which are the one state of California for uh, Major League Baseball, which I believe is the most, so that they have. So it's just crazy. Absolutely, I agree. So I kind of mentioned why I come back to sports, but uh, especially older and, and how it's kind of continued to uh, how I've stayed a fan. But how about you? I mean, you've mentioned a little bit about the stats, but uh, anything else that keeps coming back and becoming a fan of sports or even – uh, new sports teams and or leagues. Um, so I, I think I talked about it a little bit. It was I didn't really bring it up in this context, but it's like by competitive drive. Uh, especially when I think of like the NFL and the um, Premier League. The, I, those are actually like the top two. I think I'm like the most competitive with my team that I ha- like that I focus on. So like in the NFL, it's the Chicago Bears, and in the Premier League, it's Manchester United. Like, I follow those teams to a T. Like, whatever they're doing, like, whatever news happens, like, I know it (laughs) as it's happening because I have, like, I have an app that, you know, gives me updates of those things. Um, But, like, it's also, like, for the NFL, like, getting in the fantasy, I think that for that sport overall, like, really enhances, like, why I keep coming back and why I keep getting dragged in this because my competitive side in playing fantasy just, like, makes me want to know everything about every single team uh yeah so that i think that more brings you from a fan to a fanatic in that sense (laughs) maybe maybe i think i i don't think there's anything wrong with that either like i think fanatics are what drives sports and i think being a fanatic really feels good (laughs) like i think that's just where my life is supposed to be Absolutely. I agree. I mean, just finding something you're passionate about and enjoying it uh, has, is really something that sports do best and they can bring people together just with uh, similar interests. So I totally agree with you. And that transition from fan to fanatic is uh, an interesting one, but it, it's kind of the cherry on top for a true sports fan. And I feel like if you hit that, then it's super fun and exciting and when you can do it in a fun, respectable way, too. Yeah, and I will also bring up uh, March Madness has definitely been a big fuel to my fire for college basketball. Holy smokes, that that it is the most electrifying tournament in the world because one, I make a bracket every year, so I'm screaming my head off at the teams that uh, I chose to win the game, and two, I... anybody can beat anybody because you know what, we finally had a 16 beat a one a couple years ago, and that means anyone can beat anyone. And that's amazing. It can happen. That, that's so crazy. <laughs> like, you know, I actually had to sing the Michigan fight song 
uh, in high school in front of the entire band because uh, I bet that my Jackrabbits were going to win over Michigan as like a 12 seed, which was <laughs> stupid. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting. I had a boss who uh, I said, yeah, I can work Wednesdays and Fridays if you need me to. He said, oh, no, 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 no. And this was early March. He said, uh, no, you can't come in Friday because I'm taking the day off and my buddies and I are going to go watch the tournament the first round. And so that's an interesting thing, too, where you can kind of get into that sport on a different level and find all those good stories, I feel. Yeah, I've started doing that with college basketball, too. The first uh, weekend of March Madness, that Thursday, Friday, taking off. I, I can't, I glue my face. The last few years with it, I've uh, I've started, and of course, obviously not last year with it being canceled, but I've started to have, like, my TV has one game on, my phone has another game on, my tablet has another game on, like, and I'm just, like, immersing myself into all this and, like, following it. I'm like, oh my gosh. I typically have the best game on the TV since it's the bigger screen, but... It's uh, it's always fun, like, cause even the games that like you don't really care about, you're like, ah, I have them winning like one game in my bracket, or it's like, neither one of these teams are gonna win the tournament type of thing. You never know, that team might actually be the team that wins the tournament. So, absolutely. One of these days, we gotta get to Vegas or some state where sports gambling is legal and just go watch on their big TVs and get a few drinks and and put a few bucks on the game. I think that oh, would be yeah. fun. That'd be so much fun. If sports betting is legal in college sports i forget uh i'm pretty sure you can bet on college basketball so i i I mean at at least in nevada so true we'll definitely have to keep that for a topic in the future too as well as the upcoming tournament uh slated to be in indianapolis indiana this year but yes some great insight there about how to become a fan and and uh what keeps you coming back so Uh, We'll take a break here, and we will get back into some more topics. All right. Welcome back, Travis. This weekend is looking to be super, super wild, that is. The NFL playoffs are coming up. The road to Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay is being paved as we speak. And this year is a little different. We have a super wild card weekend. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so with the NFL expanding the seven teams, uh, I never really, like, put ones and two together that there's going to be three games per day. Because, typ- like, typically, like, each week, uh, or the first weekend of the NFL was, you had two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. The two games on Saturday would be at uh, 4.30 and 8 Eastern. Then the Sunday games would be at 1 and 4 Eastern. So, like, you always had like there's always a gap in your day either or now you have a game at 1 4 and 8 eastern every single or both days i guess you know there's only two but to me it's, it's so exciting that it feels like it's more with all the games i'm so happy i don't work this weekend i oh. mean there's going to be so much football on it'll be even better than opening week or christmas i feel <laughs> yeah well it's like for me like the playoffs are always sweet, even without, like, your favorite team in it. But, like, this year, I have the Bears in it. So, like, even if they get absolutely wiped out, it uh, just makes that even a little more exciting for myself. Uh, but, you know, uh, we should maybe talk about who else is in the tournament other than just my team, you know. Uh, yeah, because let's face it, they're not going to last more than yeah, one round. No, Unless not. the Saints falter against an NFC North team, which has happened in the past, uh 
Hashtag miracles do happen. But uh, so let's go into this. Uh, you want to start AFC or NFC side? Uh, let's start. I mean, we've already talked about the NFC side a little bit. So uh, let's start with the NFC. So that first matchup that we already kind of talked about, the Saints versus the Bears. Um, I, I think it's a good matchup for the Bears overall. I think it's probably the better out of the teams that they could play in the first round. Uh, maybe, I mean, obviously, they probably would have preferred to play Washington, but... <laughs> true, true. But I think between the Seahawks and the Saints, I think they match up better against the Saints. But the Saints are just a better team, so I don't expect it to be that close. I think the Bears probably lose, like, by 10 points or something, but... I will be curious to see, though, if uh, the Dome, the Superdome there, not having fans is going to affect it. Because, I mean, when you get that crowd going, it's so difficult as an opposing team. Uh, so we'll see if that plays an effect or if the Saints can really keep it going and prove who's that. Uh, next matchup, the Seahawks and the Rams battling in the NFC West. What do you think is going to come out on top of that one? Um, so with the, uh, with this game, it's, it's such a struggle to me because these two teams have already played each other twice this year because they are in the same division. Uh, the Rams probably won't have Jared Goff. It's not seeming like it's going to be that likely that he plays because he broke his thumb during the regular season. Uh, but the Rams have such a good defense that that will probably keep them in the game. And the Seahawks... The first five or six weeks, I don't remember how many they won in a row, but they looked like the best team in the NFL, minus their defense. Their defense looked horrid. Now it's the other way around. Their offense has been a struggle some. You know, they're, they're trying to rely too much on Russell Wilson. And I think you do that sometimes. I mean, he is your franchise quarterback, and pseudo-revolutionize that position for a while. So This is true, but especially against a team like the Rams, who has a Jalen Ramsey, who has a great pass rush with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, I don't think you can rely on it. I think they're going to need some running from Chris Carson, from Carlos Hyde, from... Uh, I, I mean, they, I don't even remember how many... They have so many running backs that they have thrown in this year. Elijah Penny, uh, like all of them, have at least had a few handoffs like I, I think they're gonna need some run offense um but more importantly I think their defense has to completely shut down uh the backup quarterback for the Rams Wolford if Wolford gets anything out of that offense the Rams could win this game I will give the slight edge to the Seahawks but the Rams definitely could win all right so heading into the last matchup at the NFC for this first week uh, we have two football teams, but only one goes by football team in Washington <laughs> and Tampa Bay looking to be the first team to host the Super Bowl. Obviously, the Vikings had that chance in 2018, uh, was taken away. So what are your thoughts on this matchup here? This is the worst matchup for the Bucks out of the teams that they could have played. I, they've already played the Saints twice and lost them twice, and I know that's a bad matchup for them especially in the Superdome, even without fans. But the Washington football team has one of the best defensive lines in the game. And if they can get to Tom Brady, then the Bucks, like, their entire strategy goes out the window. And they have to rely on a, semi, a semi-okay a semi defense that shows up every once in a while. 
I, uh, this is like my upset alert game, because, you know, we did have Seattle, who was 7-9, win a playoff game a few years back, so I wouldn't be surprised if Washington won. I do think the Bucks will win it, because I do think they are a high-ceiling team, but their floor is also super low. <laughs> they can be one of the worst teams, depending on what it is. True, and this one's... Go and this and this one's interesting too because technically Washington is the higher seeds, not really the underdog here. But we'll see if having that home field advantage, potentially in colder weather, uh, will have an effect there, or if that's going to kind of be null and void with uh, a potential Tom Brady showing up and uh, getting work done. Well, yeah, and what uh, the biggest thing I liked seeing the Washington with Alex Smith, like. He, he for sure is the comeback player of the year. And then you have Ron Rivera. The trophy Rivera. needs to be named after him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the feel-good team. Like, I mean, if they even win one playoff game, they're going to be the feel-good team of the year no matter what. Well, yeah, and even though, because they're here, like, it's the feel-good team. Sure, they're 7-9, and nine, and they won the lousy NFCs. But, like, it's the feel-good <laughs> feel team versus the team that, like, tried to buy their way into the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they're here, but... Probably not where they wanted to be. Right. Absolutely. So this will be an interesting one to watch. Uh, speaking of interesting, why don't we head on over to the AFC where the Bills have finally dethroned the Patriots. Uh, Tom Brady, obviously, in that previous matchup with the Buccaneers now. But the Bills facing off against the Colts. Tell me a little bit about this one. Um... So the Colts kind of limped their way into the playoffs a little bit. It, they were they were looking very good, and in the last two weeks, um, they really should have beat the Steelers. And that game right there might have been the turn of the tides for their season, where everything just went off the handle. I, they were winning that game by 21 points, and they just allowed the Steelers to march all the way back. That... That should never happen. They scored only Hashtag three Falcons. points in the final half. Like, and they they completely went away from Jonathan Taylor too. And I'm gonna go away from that game a little bit, but that that I think that game kind of shows where the Colts are now, which is when they face good teams, they're they're about to get beat. And I think the Buffalo Bills might actually be the best team. At least the way that they have been playing the last five weeks of football, they are probably the best football team in this tournament. Interesting. Now, let's head to the next matchup, which will be an AFC North face-off here. The Steelers, who are hot for the first half and some of the season against the Cleveland Browns, who, if I remember correctly, made the playoffs for the first time since 2003. What do we think about this matchup here? Listen, this is the other feel-good story. The Browns finally making it. Like, it, it feels oh. like it's been forever, because it's, it's been 18 years. Like, that's that's forever. <laughs> that's in, forever. In football standards, that's forever. Uh, yeah, I, the unfortunate part for them is they're going to be missing a lot of players. Um, to name... A couple, their biggest one being Denzel Ward, who is the heart and soul of that secondary for them. He's not going to be playing due to COVID. And 
that's uh, it's it's such a big hit for them. Uh, and also them not having their head coach Kevin Stefanski will also not be on the sidelines for the game due to COVID. So this feel good story probably gets sunk here. I feel I feel bad because the Steelers themselves up until like the last two weeks. And I mean, the last week they played their backups, but they still look pretty good against the Browns for having backups out there. Uh, the Steelers didn't look great coming in. They they were started 11 and 0, and honestly, I thought they were going to be 11 and 5 after that first half against the Colts. They probably should have yeah. been, but uh, you know, I would really love to pick the Browns, and maybe they, you know, maybe Nick Chubb has a breakout game and goes absolutely nuts. But I just I don't see it happening for them. I, I wish I wish I could say otherwise, but it's just gonna be hard. Absolutely. And now for the last matchup of Week One, Road to Super Bowl Fifty Five, we have the Titans and the Ravens. Some big marquee players here. Uh, what do you got on this one? Uh, so this is a rematch from the divisional playoffs from last year where the Ravens came in as the Super Bowl favorites. Lamar Jackson was MVP. They went 14-2, 15-1 on season. And the 10-6 ten and, ten and Titans, you know, after rolling over Tom Brady and the Patriots, you know, came walking in, and everyone's like, all right, this is where the Titans get stopped. Like, Derrick Henry can't do that again. Oh, my God, Derrick Henry did it again. What the hell? Uh, and that I think that's going to be the storyline this year is I think it's going to be can the Ravens get revenge? I think this game is going to be super high scoring. Um, I give the slight favor to the Titans still because Derrick Henry in the playoffs is a scary thought. Imagine you, you know, you're like, all right, there's no way they can run the ball again. They've ran it 30 times. Well, that 31st time, Derrick Henry springs it for 80 yards and a touchdown. Like, he, he bruises and battles his way. For the entire first half, you may stop him and only give up 40 yards for that first half, but that second half, he's going to wear you down to where you're going to give up the extra 80 yards. Like, he's that good. Like, he, there's something about this man that, like, he just has this super toughness. The Ravens, on the other hand, have Lamar Jackson. And this game, honestly, between the two teams, I wouldn't be surprised to see 500 yards rushing. That, like, this is going to be the total opposite of what you typically see in the NFL, which is, like, this pass-heavy offense. The Titans are going to run the ball a lot. Now, the, Tannehill can't do something, but I think their their strategy is going to be hand the ball off. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Can Lamar Jackson throw the ball? Yes. But the Titans' defense is just horrid. The Titans' defense, they added pieces to that defense, and they look worse than they have ever looked on the Titans' defense. Like, it's so bad. So, their offense needs to stay ahead of the Ravens the entire time. I think they can do it. Um, I think they've proven it a lot this year, that in those close games that go really high scoring, that they can be the team that pulls it out. So, I, I think this is going to be the most exciting game of the weekend, though, for sure. Interesting choice. So, speaking of this weekend, obviously these games are going to be aired, but this year a little bit different than usual. Uh, we're not just getting it on our typical CBS, ABC, uh, NBC, or ESPN even. We're getting a game on Nickelodeon. 
Uh, so what's that matchup looking like? Who are the teams and who's going to get slime after this week one playoff game? Uh, um, so, yeah, so typically the playoffs would be kind of three, you know, they, they would have the top three. It'd be Fox, CBS, NBC. This year they also added on ABC. Um, so the Ravens-Titans game will be one of the first matchups on ABC, and I think it's also on ESPN. I think it's actually going to be on both of them. Um, and in the Bears-Saints game, <laughs> the Bears-Saints game gets put on not just CBS. So you'll have Tony Romo uh, on CBS there with Jim Nance. But then you'll also see them on Nickelodeon, which <laughs> is headlined, headlined by Nate Burleson. And then they're also on Amazon Prime. That's <laughs> the NFL you can decided. Get free shipping on this one too. My goodness. <laughs> the the NFL just decided that yeah you know what we have all these you know options, let's do it. The Nickelodeon one is interesting to me because it seems like the biggest thing that they're pushing for is they want to try and hit the kids. Like they they want to try and get kids interested in football. Now, I don't know if that's because, like, numbers on kids, you know, playing or, like, watching football is down. But I find it very interesting because it's, like, if these kids were super interested into football, wouldn't they be watching it with their parents already type of thing? But, maybe you know, maybe their parents don't, you know, watch football and they always just turn on Nickelodeon or something and their kids see this and they're like, wow, this is a very, like, I'm, I'm hoping it works. I, I am a doubter, though. I will say that. You know, it's a very interesting opportunity, and I, I think the NFL is definitely going to younger demographic. Last year, they had a campaign during the Super Bowl uh, where kids ran out onto the field, uh, so that was a big highlight there. But I think, you know, if you have the opportunity, you might as well take it. And if you can get a different demographic, get those kids interested, you might as well. Amazon Prime, if no, they've been doing uh, some games. I believe it's been Thursday night football games there uh, for the past year or two. But I think any chance to grow the game is a good opportunity for the NFL uh, looking to grow that. So uh, let's go here quick. And let's just rattle off. Give me your favorite in the NFC. Give me... so. Give me the team you want to win the NFC, your favorite in the NFC, team you want to win the AFC, and who's going to face the winner of the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, so obviously my want is going to be Chicago Bears. Uh, if, if they played perfect football, they could probably do it. But I, well, one quarter is all that it takes for them to lose. Um. Who I think will win the NFC, and as painful as it is for me to say it, I think it's going to be the Packers. The the NFC runs through Lambeau now, which is... Yeah, <laughs> terrifying. For any team that's not the Chicago Bears, that is a terrifying thought process. For the Saints and the Buccaneers, who are warm weather teams, yeah, good luck. Same thing with the Seahawks, really. Uh, and the Rams, too. Yeah, the, the Rams, I think... You know, with their I defense, mean, they don't have much of a shot. But. Yeah, with their defense, they might have a better chance of competing there. And same thing with Washington. But I, I think when it comes down to it, it's probably between the Packers, Seahawks, and Saints. And uh, yeah, I just don't see a world where either one of them wins in Lambeau. Um, in the AFC, the team that I want to win is the Buffalo Bills. 
holy moly would that be a storyline. Josh Allen has been... I Honestly, when that draft happened, I thought Josh Allen was the second-best quarterback in that draft. And I was surprised to see him drop all the way down to the Bills. Uh, the Bills obviously have taken their time, didn't give up on him when he looked bad. And he looks like an absolute threat now. Uh, Stefan Diggs was a great addition to that team. The team that I expect to win it, I'm still going to say the Bills. I think... Really? The, yeah, I think most people would probably say the Chiefs here. I think the Chiefs have looked vulnerable. The Bills have already played them once, and I think that's really good for them because they will have tape to look at if they do play them. That's interesting to me i definitely say uh the team i want is the saints uh mostly to destroy your hopes and dreams right away um but i'm gonna give it to the seahawks i think they're definitely going to be an interesting team and they've always found ways to pull it off in the past before so sadly tampa bay won't be hosting the first super bowl uh i'd love to see the browns we mentioned that cinderella story there in the afc um i don't see it happening too much but I'm definitely going to give it to the Chiefs. I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to remember that they have so many weapons. Travis Kelsey has been great, and obviously when you have Patrick Mahomes out there too, uh, as your quarterback, you just have to look out for that. So uh, I'll be curious to see how this plays out. I'll be curious to see uh, how Nickelodeon is and if the NFL gets the results that they want from using all those different platforms. And I'll be curious to see with this new format if they potentially keep the super wild card weekend or if they go back to the traditional wild card uh speaking of switching things up a little bit how about we talk about the nhl national hockey league yeah uh i think you know everyone was kind of you know going into this year like all right what is the nhl going to look like what is it going to look like and then they announced the divisions this year and (laughs) You know, part of me really loves them, and part of me really hates them. Now, I'll, I'll let you go through each of them and see, you know, we, we can see who's in each of them. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of where my heart is. Absolutely. So, we have the North, uh, which I think is very interesting. I think this will be good for Canada, uh, having only seven NHL teams. They are going to just be playing within their division this year so uh in the north we have calgary edmonton montreal ottawa toronto vancouver and winnipeg uh so we'll be getting a lot of north of the border matchups there i'm excited being a flames fan we get 10 battle for alberta's this year uh so that'll be really exciting especially in the classic looking uniforms uh then we have the west which features anaheim arizona Colorado, Los Angeles, Minnesota, San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. Uh, So keeping a bit of the Pacific and the Central together. Uh, Very interesting there, but it's going to be nice to see uh, some of those California matchups and the Golden Knights mixing it up uh, with the Avalanche. The Blues will be fun. Then we have the Central Division this year uh, featuring Carolina, which I would have put Central in geography, but whatever. Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and then Tampa Bay, uh, keeping that Florida rivalry together, as well as two original six teams there in Chicago and Detroit. And then we have the East, which will always be an interesting one. We have Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, 
the Islanders, the Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. So keeping Pennsylvania against each other. Uh, also having the Devils in there will be great. And then Pittsburgh and Washington, seeing the aging legends in Crosby and Ovechkin going at it uh, will always be interesting. So uh, what are your thoughts on these alignments for this season and only playing within their division? And how do you think it's going to pan out for the NHL this year? Uh, so when I first saw this, I was like, okay, the Canadian League, love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good history there that will really come out this season with it being the Canadian-only league. Um, I really love Edmonton there because I also think Edmonton is, you know, probably a higher-scoring team, and I think there's a lot less defense in Canada right now. So I think those games are going to be very high-scoring, and I expect the score leader to come from there because of that. Um, when I looked at the Central at first, I was like, this is the Central in Florida. <laughs> like, that's what this is. <laughs> like, sure, there's Carolina too, but, like, what what happened here? But obviously, you look at the East, and it's like, oh, they they chose all the, like, up there in the, you know, northeast. That, that's, that's this cluster. That's where this comes from. So it makes sense. But I was like, what? The Central's kind of this mixed bag, and yet it's kind of a competitive division. I mean, you have the Lightning. You have Nashville, like two of the teams that have made finals in the last two years. <laughs> I, uh, I I really like this division, the Central Division, because you know Dallas looked pretty good last year. Um, Chicago is a young team with obviously Patrick Kane, um, and uh, with Tampa Bay being the defending champs. I think this division is kind of fun. I think the West though is the craziest. <laughs> oh, Wild West, absolutely. Like, holy... You got Vegas, you got the Blues, you got the Wild, uh, you got San Jose, you got the Avs. The Avs are probably one of those teams that the last few years just continues to pick up steam, and I would not ex be surprised to see them in uh, Stanley Cup Finals one of these years, because they just seem to get better and better. So with these divisions, uh, obviously it's going to be crazy and we'll be seeing some traditional rivalries and potentially some new ones, especially when they're so familiar with each other. Uh, but looking at a map here and how it sprawls out through the season, do you think travel will have an effect on some teams? Obviously, we mentioned the East is in such a cluster, but then you have Canada, which sprawls basically across the entire country. Uh, in the North Division, you have the West, which has to go all the way from California to Minnesota. Uh, and then you have the Central, which goes from Chicago all the way down to Miami and Florida. So do you think travel will have an effect? And do you think that that will be helpful in the playoff push for these teams? Um, so I think with the teams that have to travel a bunch now, this is without really knowing whether... Or not, you know, NHL will do, like, a hard bubble for their Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. But uh, I have a feeling that the tr teams that have to travel, so your North, your West, and your Central, uh, all three of them have to travel a lot more than the East does. I think that actually gives them a bit of an advantage. Because what if in the playoffs, like, the East all of a sudden has to go to the uh, to LA? Let, let, like, let's make that an example. Like, any of the East teams have to travel to Los Angeles for a game. Um, all of a sudden, like, this is so new, like, you're traveling that far for one game? I, I don't know. 
It'll be so interesting because, I mean, they, we already talked about in pretty much every sport, like those coast-to-coast -coast games. So for the teams that are traveling at all, like in the East, you, you're traveling, what, like hundreds of miles compared to thousands? <laughs> like, uh... Yeah. All right, so one last thing here for the NHL. Uh, give me a winner from each division. So first from the North, West, Central, then East. Um, so I talked about it, I guess, a little bit in the north. Uh, I like Edmonton. I, I really do. I think they are a team that was already on the rise, I think, last year. They probably lost a little momentum with uh, the whole shutdown of the, t the season where it was. But I, I think I like them. I think uh, Vancouver can do well, and I think uh, Montreal can do well in that. But we'll see. Uh, in the west... Man, I, I brought up the abs already, but God, the St. Louis Blues are just so good. It's I think it's between them and Vegas. I think the abs are a close third, but I think it's between the Blues and Vegas. I'm going to go with the Blues as much as that pains me to say. <laughs> uh, the Central... And I played the Blackhawks this year. It's, okay. the, it's true. Well, we might play them in the playoffs. You never know, but uh, probably not. Uh, <laughs> the Central... Central? I'm, I'm thinking... You know, I, I like the Lightning a lot, but I think Nashville's uh, a, a pretty good team. And I, I'm going to choose them as kind of an upset pick. I think Tampa Bay will be there, and they'll be competing. But I, I'm going to choose Nashville as, like, an upset pick. Dallas will be a close third, I think, in this uh, division. And then the East. The East is probably the one I thought about the least here. Um, you know, the Bruins are always a crazy team. Um but without their captains, Jane O'Chara, yeah. now the Capitals. Yeah, that's uh, it's just... Obviously aging, but still, y you yeah. have to respect his hustle. I mean, breaking his jaw in the finals and still playing. Uh, but I see Boston. I, I, I think Boston can still win it. And, I mean, yeah, you lose that hardcore veteran, but I think uh, they're just like... It seems like they're always there, and I hate it, but they are. That's Boston sports for you. How about you, David? What, what, are you, what are you looking at for these divisions? Uh, well, as much as I want my Flames to win, they always seem to falter in the playoffs. Um, and I don't know if they're going to make it this year when they have to beat up on Edmonton so much and even have teams like Winnipeg can, that can be scrappy. I think Toronto honestly can pull away with this one with Austin Matthews coming into the fray. Uh, that could be interesting. As far as the West goes, I'm going to say Vegas. Uh, I've always been intrigued by them since their first season. I think they're going to be dangerous. I think they always will be for the next few years. Uh, kind of that underdog scrappy mentality. We'll go to the Central, and I don't know. This one's tough because, I mean, Dallas obviously had a very impressive uh, playoff push. And then we had Tampa Bay as well, which won it. Uh, Nashville always seems to be kind of in there, too. Chicago's decent. Uh, I think I'm going to have to give this one to Dallas. I think they're kind of in a nice spot where uh, they can just kind of roll with it and play, play those teams. They don't have as much of a travel to Florida, so it'll be a little easier when they play Tampa, when they play Florida, when they play Nashville. And then uh, they're used to those trips up to Chicago. And then in the East, I'm going to have to give it to Washington, even though they did get uh, uh, Chara and 
few other aging stars. I think they're going to be good. I think they have a nice young core behind it all, and it'll definitely be intriguing this year, but I'm going to give it to the Caps. All right. Well, uh, David, I think uh, we've kind of gone through everything today. Yeah, well, that'll do it for this week's version of the Kings of the Bench podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see all of you next week. Thanks.